Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson. Discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit of teeth because I got thick skin. Welcome into After the Snap. My name is Blake Ferguson, long snapper for your Miami Dolphins. I'm here with my brother, Reed. Long snapper for the Buffalo Bills. We are here post-Ferguson Bowl number four. And I am honestly, I'm, I'm glad that it was week eight because it was already starting to get a little bit chilly up there. <laughs> I Hey, I tell... Um... I tell I always tell tell guys when they show up they say well when does it get cold when does the weather change well you know this this Halloween give or take a week you know that's usually the time so you guys came up I think right on the borderline I think it's supposed to be like mid to high forties all week uh, pretty nice weather so uh, but it, we're definitely going down. Uh, well, you guys, obviously Miami, I think you texted me last week was the hottest day in October or something like that ever. Yeah. It was like, it, like last Wednesday, like set a record for <laughs> the hottest temperature ever recorded on that day yeah. in Miami. Yeah. Like, and we have was, a snowflake for tomorrow and, morning. So I got in my truck and it was like 103 degrees. Yeah. I was like, this is insane. Um, but it was, it was nice to play and not be frigid although there were still heaters on the sideline yes we were able to do a jersey swap post this game you guys wore the throwbacks which i'm happy to add to my collection and you needed a new blake ferguson number 44 jersey as we swapped last year and i was wearing number 50 so uh you needed to sort of um, revamp the basement collection and update it a little bit. Yeah, Erica was uh, working out in the basement last week. I went down there with Blakely and she kind of brought it to my attention. She was like, hey, you need a new, you know, you need a new one. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, you need a, you know, you need a new Blake jersey. I was like, I mean, I'm waiting on, you know, another one for this spot on the wall. And she was like, no, he switched numbers. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot, obviously. Uh just di- it just didn't dawn on me. But yeah, you know, the one you you gave me is uh is a white uh from last season. When we talked about it, I knew that you guys were wearing teal, we were wearing the throwbacks. So definitely wanted a, a white and a teal for the collection. Now I have a 50 and a 44. So I think next to each other is going to be Perfect. Uh, I may put the 44 up in my office. I haven't decided yet, uh, just because that's your current 
uniform. So, um, like yeah, so we'll, we'll have to get, get that it. framed and, and, and get that put up. So, uh, but yeah, pretty cool. I uh, got the Jersey swap after the game. That was first time. That was first time I had ever done it on the field, uh, swapped on the field with somebody. So pretty cool, but, uh, yeah, glad the, um, you know, glad, glad, uh, we were able to see some family, uh, while you're in town, you're able to see, uh, Blakely, obviously I'm sure that was the highlight of your day on Saturday. Uh, so, you know, we won't talk about Sunday, but it is what it is. Well, while we're recapping this past week in NFL, we want to give our week eight after the snap clutch snap of the week out drum roll, please. This week's after the snap clutch snap of the week goes to Morgan Cox of the Tennessee Titans. He snapped for a 44-yard field goal in overtime to take down the Indianapolis Colts, 34-31. Congrats to Morgan. Hopefully, we can get Morgan on the podcast at some point. I'd love to talk to him. That would be awesome. Morgan's a big uh, – he, he's been a role model, I think, for the both of us uh, for a long time now. So congratulations to Morgan. Well, on this week's pod, we are excited to have Atlanta Falcons snapper Josh Harris joining us. Here is our interview with Josh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to After the Snap. We are here with 10-year NFL vet Josh Harris. He is a national champion from his time at Auburn. He's played in a Super Bowl, and he's also snapped for one of the greatest kickers of all time, Matt Bryant. Josh, welcome in. We are so glad to have you. Hey, appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Looking forward to uh, to catching up and talking all things snapping and after the snap. So appreciate you Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's really why we're here. You and I talked about this a few weeks ago when uh, when we played against each other about how much fun uh, it has been to be doing this podcast. And obviously, a lot of our fan base and listeners are long snappers. So what we wanted to do is, is start getting some long snappers on the pod beyond just Reed and I. And so uh, we're glad that you were able to join us. Let's get into some uh, some Auburn talk. Starting very early on, we kind of want to tell your story just as we work through the questions that we have for you. But what would you say is your favorite memory from your time at Auburn? Obviously, you won the national championship, so I would assume that that might be it. But talk about your time at Auburn and and, and how awesome that was for you. Yeah, I mean, Auburn has uh, always had a special place in my heart. I mean, I grew up uh, a huge Auburn fan. Basically, my whole mom's side of the family went to Auburn. My grandfather was on the uh, – only other national championship team in Auburn history back in 1957. And so I went there as a student, you know, I just walked on, wasn't recruited. So to get the chance to even play past high school, what what was just a a tremendous blessing, but there are, I mean, tons of, tons of memories, tons of uh, great times there, but you're, you're exactly right. My favorite memory from, uh, from my time there was definitely the national championship. Um, That game against Oregon uh, in 2010 out in the desert, Came down to a, a game-winning field goal, and I mean, 
what more can you ask for on that stage than to uh, than to get that opportunity? So it was. Uh, those, uh, are the, those are those are the things so that cool. you dream of when you when you lay your head down on your pillow at night as a as a kid. Is you know the the three two count in the bottom of the ninth. You know, home run, the the last second field goal as a snapper. That's I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, no, no question about that. You know, everybody expected that game to be this big shootout. You know, I think that the total, you know, the over under maybe in that game was like 90, you know, something crazy. I mean, two great offenses. And then it didn't turn out that way. I mean, you have I mean, you guys know, I mean, you have that long kind of break in between, uh, you know, those last championship, you know, weekend games and then the national championship. And so, hey, both both defenses came ready to play and it came down uh, right there at the end. And I mean, gosh, it couldn't have been much uh, shorter of a field goal. I mean, I think it was a 19 yard field goal. So um, it, it was it was pretty tight. But uh, Wes Byram sent it right through the uprights. And, uh, and that, that was it. That was all she wrote. Josh, tell us um, a little bit about your journey uh, getting to Auburn as a student and then walking on just because that's as a, as a snapper, that can be largely how a lot of guys get onto a team rather than earning a scholarship out of high school. How talk, talk to us a little bit about how that process went. Uh, did you have tryouts for the team? Did you did, did, were you in contact with coaches before you got there? Hey, I might be interested in walking on once I'm there as a student. Tell us how that went. Yeah, well, first, I think it's awesome that, I mean, nowadays it's pretty common for snappers to be getting full ride, you know, scholarships out of high school. I mean, to see the the uh, the growth there at the position, man, it's, it's, it's awesome. But for me, you know, I, I wasn't recruited anywhere, really. I mean, I had a few smaller schools that reached out about maybe being a preferred walk-on, but uh, growing up uh, as big of an Auburn fan as I did, I mean, that was the only place that I wanted to go. You know, whether I was playing ball or not, that really wasn't really wasn't a concern. And it was the only school that I applied to, funny funny enough. But I mean, uh, at Carrollton, how, what, how far is Carrollton from Auburn? An hour and a half. Uh, that's I what mean, I was thinking. I mean, you're right there yeah. at the border as it is. So yeah, just 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 right down the road. So not not far away at all. But I had a high school coach who was a, a walk-on quarterback at Georgia and toward, you know, towards the end of, the, of my senior year, he was really telling me, he's like, Hey man, you know, you're pretty good at this long snapping thing. I think you should, you know, give it a shot, you know, at least try to walk on and, you know, just see what happens. And I remember kind of fighting him a little bit on it. I was like, man, I want to play a real position. You know, I, I was playing defense, you know, in, in high school. And so, you know, I was like, man, if I want to play, I want to play, you know, something, something like that. And, Finally, I just kind of realized, I said, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen? You know, they say no. You know, I, I'd like to at least give it a shot, see what happens. And uh, I didn't want to look back, you know, 20, 30 years, you know, from then and be like, man, I wonder what would have happened, you know, had I given it a given it a shot. But so it was actually the first morning of classes starting that fall semester. Let's see, I guess it was 2007. First morning uh, showed up. There were a couple hundred kids that, that showed up for the walk-on tryout at all different positions. Uh, I went to the group of the snappers. I snapped maybe 10 or 15 balls. I didn't send any over his head or skip any. So I said, all right, you know, must have felt felt okay. And they told us. That's about all you can ask for. <laughs> right. You know, that, that was all uh, It was all I was wanting to do. And they said, we'll call you or email you, let you know if you made the team. And you know, a week turned into two weeks, turned into a month. And uh, I thought, hey, I, they, they didn't call me. So it is what it is. I gave it a shot. 
And so I rushed a fraternity. I joined uh, ROTC. And then about halfway through the season, I get a call and they were like, hey, we want to go ahead and bring you out. Uh, have you been snapping? Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I've been waiting on Absolutely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't touched the football since, uh, since that walk-on tryout. I, I guess they may, may have been having some issues with their backup uh, at the time. Uh, the starter, uh, he, his, his name is uh, Robert Shiver, great dude, great snapper. I actually spent some time in Atlanta before I got there uh, in camp. And so what was just a tremendous blessing, a tremendous opportunity just to get get to the chance to go in and, and try to snap a football there, you know, at Auburn. It was kind of a, a dream come true. I remember telling my buddies, uh, you know, when they gave me a helmet and a practice jersey, I was like, can you believe this? Look at this. They gave they gave me a, a helmet, like I'm sending them pictures of it. So. Uh, just just a really cool moment for sure. Fast forward a little bit. So you get to you, – you, you win the national championship. You kind of end your career on a high note. You go through the draft process. You sign with Atlanta as an undrafted free agent. You, you're competing uh, in camp with Joe Zelenka, uh, obviously in the preseason of 2012. How, how – kind of tell us how that competition went. I, I was in competition with Garrison my first year here uh, in 16, so I have – uh, generally, an, an idea of how it, how it is competing against a veteran, but kind of tell us how what your mindset was going into that competition as a rookie, as a new guy, and then maybe some things you learned from Joe along the way. Joe Z is an awesome, awesome guy. I mean he he played you know this position for a long time at a very high level, and so I, I had nothing but the utmost respect and admiration. For, uh, for what Joe uh, was able to do. And so really, I was just trying to be a sponge and trying to learn uh, as much as I could. You know, he, he, I guess, I think he played 15 or 16 years, uh, mainly in Jacksonville. And so we usually played Jacksonville in the preseason. I remember going to Jacksonville that year. And uh, as soon as we go onto the field for warmups, there's a sign in the stands that said the Joe Zelenka fan club. And I remember thinking, man, how about that? You know, here's a guy that, I, awesome. that I'm, I'm competing against. And for him to have that, you know, kind of influence and that type of presence to still, you know, to come back now being in Atlanta, I just thought that was uh, that was really cool. But really just try, like I said, just tried to learn uh, as much as I could from him. You know, coming out, uh, being undrafted, my agent told me that Atlanta was a place that was, you know, kind of looking to possibly make a change and not necessarily just be uh, a camp body. And so I thought, what better fit, you know, that could be, you know, growing up in Carrollton, uh, going to Auburn, you know, and now the hometown, you know, Falcons, you know, being a possibility was uh, was super cool. And one of the main things that I tried to pick up, you know, and as you guys know, that transition from college to NFL snapping, it, it's so much different because now you're having to block. You're not just free releasing down the field and going down and trying to uh, to make tackles. There's so much more that goes into it that there's a, a big learning curve there. And so. I watched a lot of tape with Josie, you know, and he showed me kind of some things to look for, how to scout teams, you know, some tells, things like that, that I still, you know, use and look for, you know, today. And um, I'm just really grateful and thankful for, uh, you know, for, for his, you know, mentorship in that role. And I, I he probably has no idea, you know, because how much he kind of impacted uh, me in that, that young, that young uh, transitional phase. But uh, was just a great role model to look up to and try to you know learn as much from from him as possible. Was Atlanta the only team that you had a chance to go to after the draft, or was anybody um, else? 
you know, th- there were a few other teams that, uh, that, that called, but Atlanta was the best situation. You know, the, I, I want to say maybe Baltimore called, but, you know, they had just signed Morgan back to an extension. And so I was like, well, that doesn't really seem like a great fit. There were a few other ones that, you know, kind of the same situation that, you know, I, I knew that I was going to be legitimately competing uh, in Atlanta for, for a spot. And, uh, you know, what better place to, uh, to give it a shot than, uh, than I guess, all of our uh, hometowns here. You know, because I feel like, yeah. you know, while, while we're talking about it, you know, I, I live right here next to Buford. You know where where you guys were so famous famously enrolled, and every everywhere I go around town, you know if I talk to somebody, meet somebody new, and they find out that I'm a long snapper, it oh do you know the Fergusons? Do you know the Ferguson brothers? I mean, so you guys you guys are legends around here, man. I'm I'm just trying to trying to follow in those footsteps. It's funny that you mentioned this about it being your hometown team because we actually had somebody ask on Twitter. What does it mean to you to to play for your hometown team? Is there any added pressure? Do you do you like it? Obviously, you you've had a great career in Atlanta, but um, what's it what's it like to to play for your hometown team? Man, it's awesome. I mean, I I cannot say enough about how just cool the experience has been. I mean, any to get to play at this level on any team um, is a blessing, but to get to stay close to home and play for the team that I grew up cheering for. You know, I couldn't ask for, for, for anything else. And, you know, in, in full disclosure, I wasn't the biggest uh, pro football fan growing up. I was more more of a college fan. So I watched more, you know, Auburn games and college games than I did NFL. But when I did, uh, it was always the Falcons. And so getting to uh, to follow them. I remember the 98 season, uh, you know, when they made that Super Bowl run. Uh, just really cool stuff. I mean, doing the dirty bird out in the, you know, in the neighborhood with the kids while we were, you know, with my buddies while we were playing football and I'm Jamal Anderson, you know, no, no, I'm Jamal, you know, just <laughs> stuff like that, you know, to, to now get to, uh, to kind of walk in those, you know, some of those same, you know, situations as, uh, as the players that I looked up to as a kid um, went through. And so it's, uh, it's been cool, but I'll tell you what, uh, my fresh, my freshman year, my rookie year, I learned a valuable lesson, you know, in being so close to home is that, you know, everybody wants to come to the games. And so tickets were, uh, you know, a, a thing. And I didn't know how long this was going to last. I didn't know if I was going to be in for a year, a few games, whatever it was. So that rookie year it was like, man, whoever wants to come, everybody, it is, you know, yeah, everybody come on. And we ended up making a run. We made it the NFC championship game uh, my rookie year. And so, looking back on the pay stubs and what I spent on tickets that year was uh, a little bit of a reality check for me. It's like, Hey, we got to figure something else. You know, we got to figure out a system here, but, uh, but that's really the only, you know, hurdle, I guess that was, uh, was kind of a, a thing to, to jump over and in, uh, in the transition, but it's just been super cool to, uh, to play for Atlanta. All the high school Absolutely. buddies coming to the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, a lot of fun. Exactly. So I, I want to talk about, I believe it was year five for you was when you guys made the Super Bowl Super Bowl run. It was obviously a great, great season for the Falcons. What was it like playing in the Super Bowl? I mean, you played in the national championship, but I mean, the, the Super Bowl is is that just on steroids from what I would imagine. Yeah, it definitely was. Uh, the game was in Houston. We practiced all week at, uh, at Rice University, which was uh, pretty cool. My strength coach from college, he had recently gone to Rice at the time. And so, you know, kind of got to see them and some of the assistants that were teammates of mine uh, at Auburn, get to catch up with them. But 
just that that whole week was uh, was pretty cool. And just the lead up to it. I mean, it was the final year of the Georgia Dome. And it was like, oh, this is going to be the last home game. And then we won. And then something crazy happened where we ended up hosting, you know, the NFC Championship against Green Bay. And so those games at the Georgia Dome were electric. I mean, probably the best atmosphere at home, you know, I've ever I've ever experienced in, in my career here. And so to make that run towards the end, and you guys know how it works. I mean, yeah, you can have gangbuster teams that, you know, win all, you know, these games and maybe don't make it to uh, to the end. And we just happened to be playing our best ball at the right time and, you know, went on a run and, and, uh, and got there. And obviously we know how it, how it turned out, which uh, was very unfortunate. So I usually joke and I'm like, man, it was awesome right up until the point where it sucked. You know, so it was uh, so, <laughs> it was awesome till it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So we had a good game, uh, you know, specialist wise. You know, uh, we kicked some, you know, some some good kicks there. We had some good punts, good coverage, and so to get to you know perform on that stage was uh, was really special. You know, I haven't listened to much Lady Gaga since the uh, since the Super Bowl. You know, so you kind of. <laughs> kind of ruined her for, you know ruined the, the music for me with uh <laughs> afterwards but uh j- just an overall cool experience to get to make it you know to that level in professional sports and hopefully hey you know we're we're, we're fighting to to get back there and, and make it right with the halftime show being as long as it is during the super bowl was it weird like for the for the halftime warm-up like obviously the specialists go out we all know the specialists go out and, and kick and snap and punt during halftime, but they've got like a whole stage and, and all this, you know, choreography set up. Like is, did you have to like kick on the side or, or what did y'all do? Halftime. I mean, what normally I feel like I go in, you know, grab something to eat and drink. And then I'm, I'm out of there within like five yeah, you're back or 10 out on minutes. The field. It's quick. Um, I want to say it was like 30 minutes, 35 minutes. I mean, it was, it was long. And so, you're in there and at the, at the same, I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of adjustment period there, but we kind of knew that going in, but then, you know, you can hear everything going on outside. I mean, it was, it was really loud and it, you know, it was rocking, but then to go back out. Yeah. I mean, they were moving stage equipment and all people running all over the place, trying to get the field cleaned up. And so we were able to, to, you know, get it in and, you know, do what we would normally do. We just kind of had to wait a little bit longer, but it was kind of the same earlier in the week too. We went over, I don't know, maybe it was like the Friday before the game to kick in the stadium and they have all the paint, you know, on the, on the field and all of it roped off. They're like, yeah, go ahead, come in here and, uh, and get some kicks in. And we're like trying to, you know, work around all the, the logos and, and things like that. on The, the wet field. paint, <laughs> the wet paint, the empty stadium, you know, and uh, it, it, it was, it was cool. Last week we, asked Matt Overton what it was like snapping for guys like Pat McAfee and Adam Vinatieri. You snapped for several unbelievable kickers in your career. Matt Bryant obviously had an incredible career with the Falcons. And now uh, with Koo being there as well, I mean, he was all pro last year. So what's what's that been like? Um, what did you learn from, from Bryant? And, um, you know, what's it like snapping for the beast that is young way coup now? Yeah, well, starting with uh, with Matt, Matt is, you know, one of my best friends and a, a, a great guy and, you know, could not be more thankful to have come in and gotten to kind of learn the ropes, you know, under his uh, his leadership and his guidance. You know, it's actually kind of funny, though, because early on, I mean, like right after I made the team, like the first few practices and like 
first games or so, he actually was like, this isn't going to work. He's like telling uh, Keith Armstrong, our team's coach, he's like, yeah, this kid, he's, he doesn't have it. Like, it's not going not gonna to be a thing. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, here I am all excited. I made the squad. I'm busting my tail trying to do everything that I can. And, uh, you know, here's arguably one of the, the greatest kickers of all time telling me that I don't have what it takes. And so but I now looking back on that, like I appreciated that. Because it challenged me and it made me, you know, whether it was focus more or work harder, you know, I, I ended up just realizing, like, listen, this guy is going to put it through the pipes as long as I get this ball back there and do do my part, you know. And so between uh, me and Matt Bosher, who he, he came in the year before uh, I did. And so me and him, you know, relatively young and then obviously Bryant with his storied uh, career. He was just a, a, a great a great role model for me to kind of learn from. And one of the biggest things I learned from him was kind of this this attitude of, you know, do good today so they'll bring you back tomorrow type thing. And then also, you know, treating every kick the same, you know, because you guys know what it's like. You're in a, in a game and maybe somebody comes up to you, you know, game winner, or you got to go punt to steal the win or whatever it is. And they're like, hey, hey, we really need this one right here. We really need this one. You're like, oh. Yeah, of course we do. Did we not need the other, you know, we needed the one in the first quarter too. <laughs> right, right. So, um he he really what was good about, you know, treating them all the same, you know. So no matter what situation you were in, um, you know, treating, you know, every kick with you know, having that same approach and and things like that, that was uh that was key in uh in my development as, as a young snapper. And uh obviously he had a tremendous career. And then, you know, when he left, he had some, you know, coup, you know, eventually came in and had some big shoes to fill for sure. And he's done nothing but but make kicks, you know. And uh, I know Tyler Bass and coup are, 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 are Georgia Southern guys. So, you know, th- those guys are, are doing a, a, just a great job right now. And, you know, getting to work with coup has uh, has been great. You know, he just like I said, he works so hard and everything that he's uh, he's gotten, he's he, he, he's earned it. And uh, he's deserving of every accolade and every accomplishment that uh, that comes his way. And uh, he's just a, a good friend and looking forward to uh, many more years of, uh, of setting him up with uh, with good snaps. Can, can, I will say, can we get Ku? Uh, does he live in a in a gated community now? <laughs> can we get uh, my guy yeah. some security? Well, you know, he was down. It was down at uh, Avalon. You know, you think a nice, nice spot, nice, yeah, nice, nice, wow. uh, safe spot. For, for our listeners, for our listeners who don't know, Ku had his Range Rover stolen uh, like a month or two ago. It was right before training camp. Training yeah. camp, I think. Yeah, right at training camp. Oh, and I think I, the only well, Tyler was the one who told me about it. T- Tyler Bass, obviously, and he was like. All, he was like, I don't care if you steal my car. He's like, I just want my kicking shoes, my cleats. I just gave him my cleats <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, he had he had his kicking bag in funny. there, you know, balls, cleats, everything. And I mean, you guys know, gosh, I mean, kickers and punters with the with their cleats. I mean, oh, hey, yeah. you, you find a pair that you like, and they buy twenty pairs of them to make sure they don't, you know, stop probably, making them. And, probably mentally worth more than the car that was, you know, the car that was stolen. I guess, but no question, yeah, no question. No question. I will say one last thing on the on the coup subject. It was pretty cool watching he and Jason going back and forth in training camp when you guys came to town with Jason being the AFC first team all pro last year and Koo being NFC first team all pro 
and to be out at practice watching those guys warming up for the field goal period, they were, I mean, they were just going shot for shot and it was, it was really cool to watch. Yeah. 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 For, for sure. I mean, both of those guys are extremely talented and I mean, shoot, you know how, how it works. I mean, it's one of those things you're like, Hey, let me do my job. Cause I know they're going to do theirs, you know, back there. And exactly. so, you know, that, that was a great, great week down there in Miami. I appreciate you holding off the, uh, the rain for us while we were down there. That's probably the first time I've ever been to Miami, you know, that time of year and it not at least poured down rain for a, at least a, a day or one of the days. So it, it was a little hot, but that's okay. So kind of building on the, uh, the Matt Bryant thing and, and, your, your career thus far uh, as you approach a new season, you know, kind of without giving away your, your, you know, your secrets, there's obviously some things you probably hold near and dear on the mental side of things, but how do you prep yourself for, for a new season? Like what are, what are two or three things during training camp that, that are kind of maybe a benchmark for you where you say, okay, I know if I get to this level in the off season or this level, as I approach camp or the new season, I know that I'm ready for for week one. First, I'd say, I mean, once the season ends, I get away. I get away from from football. You know, I I take some time off. I'm not lifting or running, you know, just trying to let the body recover. You know, sometimes that's two weeks. Sometimes that's one week. Sometimes it's a month. You know, it just kind of depends on when I get tired of, uh, of, you know, feeling like I'm being lazy and uh, getting, getting back to work. So, um, it, it really starts um, you usually like right after the Super Bowl, you know, I'll start my training, you know, lifting, running, things like that. And it's a slow, a slow build uh, up until training camp. And so a lot of the process, you know, goes on, you know, in the offseason, working out, running, snapping. If there's something that I want to work on, something that, you know, hey, I had this conversation either with a coach or a teammate or something that I see that I want to incorporate into my game, you know, that's the time where, I'm really trying to, to fine tune that and, uh, and get that going. And then obviously training camp comes along and th- that's really the first time where I feel like you kind of see, Hey, wh- where am I at? What do I need to do? Because you're putting pads on, you're snapping, you know, in team environments where guys, you know, aren't just holding a bag anymore and kind of rushing you, you know, you're looking to see, Hey, am I recovering like I normally am? Am I getting my head up? Am I in a good position? Is my footwork? Okay. Things like that. And so one of the things that I'll do is I'll grab, a younger guy, I'm not going to grab one of the, you know, a veteran guy that is, you know, taking rest from practice and things like that. But I'll grab one of the younger defensive ends or linebacker type, you know, players and say, hey, in between this team set, you know, let's go over to the side. I'm going to snap, you know, four balls. I want you to rush me two times from the left side and two times from the right side, just one on one. And usually he's going to wear me out because I don't have any help with the guard. I don't have any, you know, you know, help that way. And so it's, it really puts a lot of stress on you to try to, you know, block those guys, you know, man to man. And, you know, that's something that I kind of, you were talking about a benchmark, you know, that's kind of one of those, you know, tests that I kind of put myself through is like, Hey, if you can, if you can at least hold your own and, you know, get this guy off the spot, you know, by yourself right here, then you kind of know you're in a, in a, you know, a pretty good spot going into, uh, you know, to live reps and live bullets flying and things like that. So that, that's one of the things that I do. But at the same time, you know, like the mental side of it, every opportunity is a new, uh, is, is new, is fresh. And so whether it's in a game, in a practice, in a season, you got to get to the next play. Good, bad, indifferent, 
you know, you, you got to move on. And we've all been there where, you know, we had a, we threw a bad ball or we don't like what we did in protection or we don't like what we did in coverage. You got to accept it. You got to flush it and you got to get to the, get to the next down, you know, don't let that one rep turn into two bad reps. And so uh, really that same mindset, you know, and it all kind of goes back to what Bryant, you know, said early in my career was, you know, do good today. So they'll bring you back tomorrow, you know, and sometimes you might not get another shot in a game or in a practice, but uh, just treating each one of them, you know, as, as close to a game like as you can and uh, just trying to perfect every little part of, uh, of your job. Kind of taking the next step into, you know, as you approach game day, what on, on game days you get yourself ready on, you know, for let's say a one o'clock game, what are, what are some of the most important things on game day routine wise for you? Uh, same thing, kind of going back to those benchmarks. What would you say are a couple things for for young guys to kind of maybe add to their routine that they don't have already? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's very important to find a routine, right? And so, as a young guy, you don't really know what your routine is. And you know, mine, you know, started kind of funny. First preseason game as a rookie, they have a team bus going from the hotel to the uh, to the stadium, and we used to stay at the Georgia Tech hotel. So I mean quick bus ride over the Georgia Dome. So I get on that bus. And as soon as I walked into the locker room, all the other specialists are already in full, full gear, getting ready to go out to, uh, to, to warm up and just pure panic mode. Right. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like throwing my stuff on real quick and went out there and it was kind of trial by fire. I realized, all right, I don't want that to ever happen again. So I usually leave the hotel I'm I'm the weirdo that's on like the early early bus that leaves. That's exactly what I'm on the staff bus. Yes, yes, and so yes, one o'clock <laughs> game. You know, I, I'm that bus usually leaves around like nine o'clock, or if we're at home, I I will leave the hotel. You know, around nine o'clock to give myself plenty of time uh, to get over there, relax, kind of get into my into my routine. I mean, it usually there's not a whole lot that goes into it. You know, I get over there, usually get in the hot tub. For, for a few minutes, go through some stretches, see the chiropractor, and then uh, and then I go out onto the field. And so the biggest pregame uh, deal for me is uh, is FaceTiming my family. So it's uh, it, it's a tradition. As soon as I get out there, FaceTime my wife, get to talk to her for a minute, talk to the kids, show them kind of the stadium, things like that. And they always get excited, especially when we're in Tampa. And they got the big, you know, pirate ship in the end zone. You know, my son goes goes crazy when he when he sees that. So just making sure, and you know, also too, just making sure that you don't snap too many balls. You know, I I felt like I went through that early in my career where, gosh, we get done with pregame warmups, and I'm like, oh man, I've snapped like 150 balls right now. Like I'm I'm kind of exhausted. You know, I kind of want to yeah. feel a little more fresh going in going into the game, but. It's really what the kickers and punters, you know, need too. And so I'm I'm there to service those guys and whatever they need to uh, to get ready. I'm there for it, you know, and I'm there to uh, to help them out. Yeah, I was I, I ran into that issue a couple of years ago. Like my first two, probably two years, I would just I, I would be exhausted by the time the fourth quarter rolled around. You know, because you know every time we get the every time offense gains possession, I go over there, snap two punts to Matt. And get ready, you know, get ready to roll whenever our numbers called upon. But you know, it adds up over the course of the game, right? You're sitting there snapping. Sometimes you don't even go out there. But yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But are you are you a music? Are you a pregame music guy? Yeah, I am. But it varies. I mean, golly, I mean, if you put my phone, I mean, Spotify now is a great thing. But you know, just the the phrase, if you put it on shuffle, 
it would blow a lot of people's mind. I mean, the ranges that I go from in my, uh, there's more people that say that about that talk about putting it on shuffle than I would have guessed. (laughs) But now I I don't really do it. I put it on shuffle, I guess, pregame, but, but it's a a good mix of uh, Christian music that just kind of evens me out. I don't want to be too, too up, you know, or too down, just something that kind of, uh, gets gets the blood flowing, you know, kind of feel good. Also country music and then, you know, rap, of course, just to kind of get the blood flowing again and uh, and, and get ready to go. But it, it's a it's a it's a mixture of uh, of all the above there. Uh, so kind of changing subjects here um, at the end of the 18 season, uh, you, you were kind of dealing with uh, a pretty significant hip injury. Kind of talk us through what helped you get through that and the and the rehab to the the from the mental side of things, uh, as you kind of worked yourself back to a hundred percent. Yeah. So that, uh, that injury actually happened in the last preseason game leading in to, uh, to that season against the dolphins. I was probably mad. cause it was raining. <laughs> well, it was at, it was at home. It wasn't oh, at, home. at home. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it was at home running down the field, trying to make a tackle and just kind of a weird foot got stuck in the turf man, my hip really hurts. What is this? Next day I go in, they're like, oh, the doctor's like, man, it's just a little bone spur. 90% of guys of linemen have what you have. And I'm thinking, man, I'm, I thought I was a little tougher than this. You know, this is this is pretty bad. I can't, can't really walk right now. And uh, so I missed the first game of the season. Uh, they brought in Jeff Overball, who, who came in and filled in for that game. And then uh, they released him after the first uh, after that first game of the season, then I, I played 12 games on it. Reed, I think we actually played against you guys, against Buffalo at home that year. And that it was a grind, man. I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I just I didn't feel like I had any any power, any leverage. Didn't feel like I could run really well. I mean, it was it was tough. And then going in, I guess it was the last four games of the of the season. I, that's when I was like, listen, I, I got to figure something out. This is this is a little too much for me to handle. I went and got a second opinion. Turned out it was a lot more uh, serious than originally uh, diagnosed, and so I was actually really wow. lo- really lucky to uh, to have you know not further injured myself. And so uh, ended up getting surgery in January, and it kind of similar to Tua's uh, injury. Um, so there, I had a lot of posterior wall fractures back there, and so it was one of those things that not a lot of people understood kind of what I was dealing with until after the surgery. But I was non-weight-bearing for like eight weeks, just laid up in the bed. And that was really hard. I mean, not being able to be active, just kind of laying there, feeling like I'm, you know, withering away and not able to train, not really able to do anything. But um, I tell you what, our, our training staff took great care of me. I mean, always, whatever I needed, they were there. My wife, Cameron, I mean, without her, I wouldn't have been able to get through uh, any of that. And uh, really just my faith. Uh, as a whole as well. I mean, I knew uh, that there was a chance I wouldn't play again, but then I also knew like, Hey, I've been put in this situation for a reason. You know, God isn't going to put anything in front of us, any challenges that, uh, that we can't handle. And so I just took an approach to go day by day, whatever I needed to do uh, rehab wise, you know, I took that very seriously and uh, you know, was able to, uh, to come out stronger uh, and better than, uh, than I was before. So it's uh been, been a, it, it was it was a crazy time. It was really the first time I had been injured uh, in my career, and those were the only. Five, I mean, I ended up missing five games uh, that year, and uh, those were the only five games I've, I've missed in my career 
really, I think maybe ever uh, playing football. So that was a totally different situation as well. Trying to, you know, that weird dynamic of you're on the team, but you're watching them on TV and you're in meetings, but you're not playing, you're not a part of the group. And so that, that was pretty tough too, is, you know, you get away from the guys and away from that locker room atmosphere. And um, it's something you've known for so long that uh, it was tough, but those guys were, were, they had my back the whole time. And so it made it that much more rewarding to, uh, to get back uh, into the room with those guys and out onto the field. Yeah, I know, I know kind of that feeling of, of kind of being helpless, uh, you know, around, around the house, around the facility, you can't, you're, you're just out of commission. And it's, that was the, that was the first game I had missed, even though it was preseason uh, since I had been here, it was just a weird feeling, but uh, you're, you know, you're kind of, you're the guy until you're not the guy. Yeah. It's just, just a weird feeling, but just wanted to, just wanted to share. Josh, you, you mentioned your faith and, and how important that was to you during the injury season, uh, most importantly, but Tell us how your faith has kind of kept you grounded throughout your entire career, nine plus years. We all know what kind of lifestyle that the NFL can bring. Um, how how has how has your faith kept you grounded through that? Obviously, I, I know that I was presented with this opportunity and this platform, you know, for for a reason, and you know, it, it's really nothing that you know. I, I yeah, okay, I feel like I, I may have you know tried to make the most of whatever situation that I was put in. But I also know that, you know, God was responsible for putting me in those situations and giving me the opportunities uh, that, that I have been given. And so, you know, one of the things that I always think about is, you know, continuing to use, uh, you know, this platform that he's given us, you know, to glorify him, you know, and we, we have this, this world stage, you know, now, I mean, we international games, obviously it's the biggest game, you know, here stateside, but, uh, you know, to be able to use, uh, you know, this this game as a vessel to to further his kingdom and, you know, just being able to meet and, and spread the word and, and have guys, you know, on the team that, I, that I've met that have been very influential in my walk. You know, it's just been something that, uh, that that's really special, you know, whether that's Bible studies at the facility with the guys or, you know, we used to have couple studies as well, you know, getting families together and things like that. And, um, you know, this game is not easy. You know, a lot of people just see what happens on Sundays and um, there's so much more that goes into it uh, than, than just that. And, you know, I've just uh, tried to, to use every opportunity that I can, you know, for, for his glory and uh, just try to be a, be a, be a light uh, in an otherwise sometimes dark, uh, dark area in a dark world. And it's just been a tremendous blessing. And I'm so thankful uh, to, to have the abilities to, to play this game, you know, and to, uh, to be able to glorify him and further his kingdom. November is a big month for you. Um, it is salute to service month. I know that means a lot to you and your family. Um, the Falcons have obviously been incredibly involved in, uh, doing different events with the military, um, I know Dan Quinn was when he was your coach. He was very involved, uh, and I know you have been as well. Can you tell us about what this month means to you, and and what salute to service uh, for the NFL means to you and your family as well? Yeah, it's a it's a great month um, to be able to honor you know the servicemen and women who give us the the freedom and the abilities to to play you know a game for a living you know and to have the freedoms uh, that that we have in, in this country and. Uh, you know, my, my admiration and my respect for, you know, the military starts, you know, at first at, at home. I mean, my dad, 
uh, was in the military. He went through ranger school in 1986. And I was actually born in Germany when he w- while he was stationed over there. Uh, my brother also, uh, he actually recently just got back from a deployment over in uh, Bahrain. And so he just, he was there for a year. And so now he's back home and I'm super thrilled to have him, uh, him back stateside. But, and then also, I mean, my, just so many family members that, that served. I mean, I had two uncles that went to West Point, one flew helicopters in Desert Storm. And so, and I have, you know, an uncle that was a, a combat medic in Vietnam. And so just a long uh, history of my family members having served. And so starting with the respect there, but just knowing the sacrifices that, uh, that not only the soldiers, you know, go through, but their families as well, you know, and not, not just talking about those who paid the ultimate sacrifice, but just being away from, from, from home, away from, you know, the comforts of what we know here and going into some of the nastiest places you could imagine and fighting for, for everybody, fighting for all of us. And so it might just be one month and, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, the salute to service deal with the NFL, but really every month and, you know, and every day I'm thankful for, uh, for those guys and girls that, uh, that, that make everything else that we know in this world possible. Okay. So last question for you, Josh, uh, I'm almost seven months. We're almost seven months, uh, uh almost seven months into being a girl dad. Nice. I know you nice. have a few, uh, you have a few of your own, uh, what is some advice uh, that you could that you could offer up to uh, to any new dads out there, specifically girl dads? Specifically, girl dads. Okay, yeah. So I, I've got three three kids, uh, two daughters that are seven and six, and my son is three. So girl, I was I was all team girl dad, right? I mean, that was all I knew for a little while until little man came around, but. You know, I don't know if this relate. This isn't just for girl dads, I guess. Here, but you're you're in the thick of it right now. You know, lack of sleep, all this types of stuff. So, sleep when they sleep, first and foremost. And then, when it comes to the pajamas and the little onesies and all the things that you have to change all the time, go with the zipper. Or maybe zipper, even always, always the zipper, dude. The snaps, the snaps are just a nightmare. It's the last I thing you want to be doing it. at three in the morning. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. But uh, but man, just just love on them. Just love on them. I mean, they're at such an age now where you know just everything is so new and they're learning so much and you know just trying to be a, a shining light in their lives and because you know it's, it, they're going to get older and then it's going to be like, oh, dad, get out of here, get out of here, dad. I don't, I don't want you over here. This, that, and the. But no, it's uh, it, it's truly a blessing to to be a dad. You know, whether it's to girls or or boys. You know, children are just such a blessing in our lives. And, uh, man, you're going to, I bet you're doing a great job. You're doing a great Trying. job. Reed, so Trying. You know, I don't know that. if anybody else has told you that, but I'll tell you that. So just keep, <laughs> keep it up. Keep it up. Appreciate that. Yeah. We're having a blast. Well, Josh, the last thing we want to do is a little segment that we like to call quick snaps. We pull some fan questions as well as some questions that we repeatedly ask our guests the first one that we have for you is what is your favorite away stadium that you've played in? International, I would say Tottenham, just because that stadium was awesome. Wembley was cool too for other reasons, but Tottenham was was awesome. Uh, but here, Green Bay, Green Bay for sure. I mean, yeah, the weather might be terrible every time you play there, but that stadium is just, it's sweet. I mean, the atmosphere is, you can't beat it. Uh, least favorite away stadium? I'd say Tampa. Locker room is just just bad, and then I'd say 
sticking along with, uh, with with the locker room deal, the old Oakland Coliseum. You know, you combine the you combine the 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 locker room situation with playing on the infield dirt. That's almost kind of what makes it great in a sense, though, too. But <laughs> what 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 did make it great? But uh, yeah, th- those it's those a places. novelty experience. <laughs> Correct. You're exactly right. That's funny you said that about the the locker rooms in Tampa. I think Pat Scales said the same thing a couple weeks ago. Did he? Okay. Well, see, about there you go. yeah. So so I see. <laughs> I'm sensing a trend here. Favorite halftime snack. Gotta go with a uh, with an uncrustable for sure. Maybe one of the uh, the honey stinger waffle things. You guys have you guys tried those? Yep. Oh yeah. And then uh, vanilla. Yeah, you're you're the vanilla. Okay. Yeah, vanilla. those are good. You can't go wrong with any of them, really. And then sometimes a Red Bull, depending on if I mean night games. You know, hey, sometimes it gets a little late. You know, gotta have gotta have the uppers. <laughs> And at halftime to uh, to stay. Josh to stay is getting in. amped up. I'm, I'm about to say I, I don't never. That's a first. I'm gonna have to put in a suggestion box. We get some Red Bulls in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. You know, not every time, but but sometimes. What's your What's your favorite off season vacay spot? My wife is from Orlando, and so usually we shoot down there and stay for you know a, a few weeks at a time. And uh, it's great weather down there that time of year. Play a lot of golf, but then. I'll also try to sneak away sometimes and uh, uh, go to a, the hunting camp down in uh, down in Alabama. Get to get with friends and family and and try to spend some time in the woods. Uh, you know, kind of resetting and recharging the batteries. This one came out of uh, Reed's game against KC on was it Sunday night football? Yep, a couple weeks ago, Sunday night football. Uh, they had a they had a long uh, rain delay in which they were sitting around eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the locker room. The question came up of what the proper jelly to peanut butter ratio is for a homemade PB&J. Do you have an opinion on that topic? I know, I know you said you're a, uh, an Uncrustable guy, and I am too. But what, yeah, what's the, a, what's the ratio in an Uncrustable? I mean, they, they must have it down. but So I don't yeah, mind that. But if, but if I'm making it myself, I, I'm a little heavy on the jelly. I'd say maybe 60-40, 60-40 jelly. Our uh, disclaimer, the the discussion arose because the at halftime of that game, we were hanging we were eating the PB&Js in the locker room and it was dang near 85-15 peanut butter. Oh. I mean we were oh, choking no. down these sandwiches and that's what that's what we were talking about. So of course the uh, Michelle Tafoya and that she was like out in the hallway when we were hanging out talking about these sandwiches. And so she, obviously it's made, it made its way to the, uh, like to the TV halftime shows that she was on. So anyway, it started a big discussion. Uh, you are, you hit the nail on the head. I think 60, 40 is ideal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, do you have a, do you have a strawberry grape preference? You know, I really don't. I really don't, you know, what, whatever, whatever's accessible, whatever's there, you know, if they're both sitting there, I'd probably, I'd probably lean towards the grape over the strawberry. It is what it is. There you go. Smart but man. Hey, Hey, real quick though. You just mentioned Michelle Tafoya. Hey, how about the little shout out they gave her son? I think it was her son. Yes. Who's a, who's a long yes. snapper. Saw that. Yeah, got yes. a little, got a little snapper highlight on the Sunday yeah, that night was football awesome. cast. That was Good awesome. For him. Good for him. We love some long snapper exposure. No <laughs> doubt. All right, last question that we have for you on our quick snaps. What is your favorite Christmas movie? We've just passed Halloween, and we are getting into the 
Thanksgiving and then Christmas season, holiday season. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Hands down, Christmas Vacation. It's not even close. I'll watch it probably 20 times between now and New Year's. Is that if that's My allowed? Man. You know what I mean? I mean My man. I've got Two it peas in a pod right here, you and Blake. Yes. I mean, I've got pretty much everything memorized. We've got the moose mugs. We break those out every year. You know, I remember a few years ago, even uh, for Christmas, it's kind of like a little gag gift. We got uh, the white turtleneck or the, the, the white sweater with the uh, with the dicky, the black dicky underneath. Oh, <laughs> classic, classic, classic. Look, 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 Russ, no lines. Man, yeah, I love that movie. It's the best. If, if I'm going, so I, I know nobody asked, but if I'm going Christmas movies, it's, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number two is the Grinch Jim Carrey edition. Okay. And then Elf. Okay. But far and away, Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah. So I, I agree. I can, yeah. I can get with that. That's awesome. Well, man, we really appreciate you coming on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully, you'll come back on the pod with us at some point. But, man, this has been so much fun. So we really appreciate it. Hey, well, I appreciate you guys having me. Uh, It was awesome uh, getting to share with you. appreciate what you guys are doing for the long snapper position. Blake, I already saw you this season. Reed, I'll see you, like, what is it, last game of the year? Yeah. 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 Yep, I think so. Second last, last two game. weeks, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that in? Is that in Buffalo? In Buffalo. Yeah. Let's go. Ooh. That'll be the, pack, hey, the hand, that'll, pack the hand warmer. That'll uh, that'll be the last stadium in my uh, to to check off my list in, in the league. Really? So, yep. Looking for, awesome. looking forward to that what, one. Bro. What better way? Yeah. I, I want the full <laughs> experience, man. I don't want Buffalo in the summer, right? Hey, I yeah. want the, I want the real deal. Hey, so. speaking of um, that, I, I and I just remembered. Uh, I think there was some. Mike, so Mike Davis, the running back yep. for you guys, he was on Twitter, I think, back during training camp, talking about how good Atlanta's chicken wings were, and it caught—I guess it caught the airwaves of some buff, some of the Buffalo media or somebody on, on Buffalo that that I follow. But I I tweeted back at him. I was like, "Hey, I was like, I'll show you some real wings when you guys come up here uh, in January." Let me know. I'll send you some from the best spot we got in town, Barbell. It's like right down the road from my house. So when the time comes, the offer stands. I'll send you guys some wings. If you guys want some wings at the hotel, Beautiful. I'll send you guys some wings. Uh, so he can – I mean, I'm from it. I'm from, we're from down there. It's not even the same atmosphere. <laughs> so um, you could tell Mike, give him a heads up, uh, that he'll he'll have some wings waiting for him at the team hotel. Uh, when you guys come up this way. So anyway. Well, we, hey, we appreciate the hospitality, Absolutely. man. We, Absolutely. we appreciate that. Looking it's forward the least to I it. could do. Yeah. least I could do. Well, we want to give a big thanks to Josh for joining the pod this week. It was an unbelievable interview, a lot of insight into the life of a long snapper in the NFL. That's been three weeks in a row now with some great interviews and hoping to follow it up with another great one soon. You can follow Josh on Twitter at A.U.J. Harris, a little nod to his Auburn days, A.U.J. Harris. And on Instagram, J. Harris underscore 47. Uh, If you want to give him a follow, you can. A lot of good content on his social media. And as always, you can follow us at After the Snap Pod. That's Instagram and Twitter. 
subscribe. Give us a nice rating on iTunes and Spotify if you would be so kind. That helps us so much. So uh, this has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.